This is the Davison Beetle Podcast. All right, it's been a couple weeks. It's time to reconvene. I'm Davis. He's Beetle. How you doing, Beetle? I'm good. How about yourself? You just, uh, you know, out there hanging out away from prime time land over here? <laughs> yeah, I know. What's How shocked were you that Deion Sanders <laughs> is going to be the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes? Because, you know, you, you heard, you know, whispers you know, a week or so ago, and you're kind of going, nah, it's not going to happen. He's not going to, he's not going to take that job. He'll probably find something better, right? Than Colorado. It's only had two winning seasons in 17 years. And then, yeah, you know, we had Mark Johnson on our podcast, voice the Buffaloes. And we were talking about it. Mark was, you know, Mark didn't confirm. He didn't deny, but you just got to get a feeling talking to him. It's like, I think this just might actually happen. Cause he wasn't, he didn't just summarily go, no, there's no way. It's like, well, we're just going to have to wait and see. And it's like, I think this is actually going to happen. Um, he steps into probably the worst power five program in, in all of college football. I don't think that's an unfair criticism. It's a one win football team from this last year. Uh, I guess just your initial reaction because he definitely, he's brought lots of attention to this program and has not had in decades over the, just the course of a, of a few days. Yeah, and I think I think it's amazing actually that they pulled it off. Uh, not because not because they can't get a high profile coach, but because it seemed like Deion Sanders was on such a meteoric rise, he, he would just blow right by him <laughs> from right. the, the standpoint of the jobs that would be offered. So. Uh, pretty, pretty impressive that they pulled it off. I'll give them that much. I, I think there's still a lot of questions to answer, but you can't answer them until they have a season. So, uh, but yeah, it's a change of change of culture and change of direction for sure. And, and I think, like, I don't know how long it's going to last. It might last two years. It, it might last longer. It, it might be an absolute disaster, or, or it could be. A, a huge, huge turnaround, one of the biggest turnarounds in college football history. If if Deion Sanders can can do, you know, even close to what he did at Jackson State. And I think that when you, number one, he has a name that everybody knows. He's a, he's a pro football Hall of Famer. He's been on TV forever. He does Aflac commercials with Nick Saban. People know who Deion Sanders is. Kids know who Deion Sanders is. And that immediately, with with his NFL connections immediately makes four or five star guys go, you know, at university of Colorado, like, but Deion Sanders coach prime could be a fun guy to play for. And uh, report out today that it looks like that uh, Mike Zimmer, former Vikings coach is going to be his defensive coordinator. They, they have a connection going back to when Zimmer was Dion's uh, secondary coach in the Cowboys years and years ago. So it looks like Mike Zimmer is going to be his new defensive coordinator. And I just, you know, they're, they're going to bring in Willie Taggart. Um, they have Tim Brewster was already on the staff at Jackson state. That was at Minnesota. It's an interesting uh, coaching staff that he's putting together. And I, I guess, I guess I'm going to ask you about the question though, that uh, the one thing that's been kind of a negative about this whole thing was what he said to the CU players. And I'm and I'm kind of paraphrasing here a little bit. It was essentially, you know, you might just hit, you might as well just hit the transfer portal 
because if you're if you're not here to compete and commit and you know some of those things, then I don't want you here. I don't, and I don't have a problem with that. Or and, and, and some you know commits, they guess they said, hey, we're we're really not that interested in you after they had committed, and I, I, I it's it's his program now, and if he doesn't get buy in from guys, I'm okay with that. I, I know it's, it's rubbed a, a lot of people the wrong way, but you know what it's like to, to coach a baseball team. You know what it's like to build culture. You want to have guys that you you feel buy into what you're trying to do. And could he have phrased it a little better? Yeah, probably. It was a little, little heavy-handed. But I think at the, at, you know, the essence of it is I want guys that want to be here and are willing to compete. And nobody, nobody gets a, a free, you know, a free starting job here just because you were here last year on a one win football team. I don't have a problem with that. No, I don't, I don't have a problem with what the message was. Uh, I think the, the only thing that I thought was a little, a little rough in that was basically picking on, on the players for having such a bad program leading up to that. You know, you're talking about, talking about kind of, uh, and again, paraphrasing more or less embarrassing their parents and the university and the and the fans and the that's program wrong. And that, stuff that's like totally. That. I, I, that, I agree. That's totally wrong. That's that was unnecessary. Yeah. I did. I thought that was pretty heavy-handed from from that standpoint. You know, they they aren't dumb. They know they won one game. They know things are going to change. And and I think that you know him. People got kind of upset about the the comment of "I'm coming. I'm I'm bringing my my luggage and it's." And it's Louie, like basically saying all the players coming in are way better than you guys. Well, they probably why are. Bring them in. Yeah, <laughs> they, they may be, they may not be. I don't know. I'm, you know, we've been over this a million times. There's a, you can put a, a million stars behind a, a player's name until he shows up and puts in the work and, and takes care of business. It doesn't matter what he is, uh, how many stars he had. So I think that was the real crux of the conversation from that standpoint is, is, he thinks he's bringing in higher caliber players. And if you think you're better than them, you're going to have to prove it. And so yeah. I find no issue there. That should be the case for every program across the country, how it's laid out, how you get them to buy into it. Well, every coach has their way and their, and their language that they use and their, their tactics that are, that are either, you know, motivational or uh, however you want to state it from the standpoint of, of, controlling or motivational like that's the, the argument people have right with a lot of coaches is you know they're a they're a sort of a general well and that doesn't sound very good when you call somebody a general that means they're forceful and and controlling well maybe they're more like a father figure oh okay now they're now they're more uh of surrounding family values and discipline it's all the same thing they want buy-in that's it right it's all the same no matter how you slice it these coaches want buy-in to their program, their way of, of going about it, and they have their expectations laid out in their mind already, and they, they have to communicate that to you. So that's the way he started. You want to argue over whether it's, you know, PC or not? Go for it. Argue all you want. But that happens in every program on some. Yeah, I, I just think that you, you look at and, and yeah. sports. Yeah, exactly. And and like I said, could he phrased it better? And yeah, there were, there are things like, like you referenced that, you know, should have certainly not been addressed the way that he addressed them. But then again, he's a, he's a pretty blunt guy. I don't, I don't think that there's, he's not a guy that, you know, tact is 
Coach Prime. I mean, he goes by Coach Prime. You know that the the, the tact and and you know humility are necessarily things that you know that that you think about when you talk about um, you know a, a guy like Deion Sanders. I just think that he's had success again. It's the FCS level, but he's been able to bring in like like the Hunter kid, the cornerback that flipped his commitment from from Deion's you know, alma mater, Florida State, Travis Hunter. Did to go to Jackson State. I mean, his son, Shadir, the quarterback, and I've heard this. Oh, here we go again. It's Dan Hawkins, Cody Hawkins. No, it's not. No, it's not. Have you if you watched their, you know, the the SWAC championship game this last Saturday, uh, Shadir is an, an immediately an incredible upgrade at quarterback for this Colorado Buffaloes football team. I mean, it's not even and people say, well, it's just FCS. No, he's pretty damn good. And he immediately makes them better. The Hunter kid makes them better. And I, I just think that for the first time that, you know, that I can recall, probably, okay, I'm going to go way back here. I'm going to go Chuck Fairbanks, Monday Night <laughs> Football, when Howard, when Howard Cosell announced that Chuck Fairbanks, coach of the New England Patriots, is going to coach the University of Colorado at Boulder, Golden Buffaloes. I, I, I mean, that was on Monday Night Football. That was the last time you, you got a a kind of a national, I guess, connection to this program. I mean, yeah, the the 1990 yeah. National you know Co Championship. Sure, those those some of those great years were Bill McCartney, but not when it resonated. Not when you have this kind of a buzz about this football team because of Deion Sanders. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, this is, I've stated this, you, you've heard me say this a million times, uh, CU had, has an identity problem. Maybe it's had now. I don't know. Cause they certainly have uh, some sort of identity with Deion Sanders coming to town, but it had to change a million things and a million people had to give up what they always thought about this program in order to do this. And, uh, you know, so that, that is, probably the biggest shift uh, from a culture standpoint was that there were a lot of CU fans, alumni, uh, boosters, and everything else that just thought this program will will thrive because we're CU. No, it's, that's not how it works. And it finally took, you know, a, a, an embarrassingly bad season to help them see, all right, the landscape is not, you know, maybe what it was in the 90s. Uh, maybe we don't have the clout that we thought we did. Uh, we got to do something because with, with the, the, the way that college football is going and the way that the Pac-12 is going, you're going to, you're, you're looking at being left without a home if you don't do something. So, uh, I think that's the biggest shift in culture. And, and you're right. It's the first time in a long time, uh, that they've made national headlines in a good way. You know, the last time they were making national headlines, we had, Nida involved and yeah, Gary your, Barnett. Yeah, not it good. wasn't great. Yeah, it was not good. And that's it. That's the last time they were really in the national spotlight. And so, you know, for, for CU and for CU fans, whether it works or not, shouldn't matter to you right now. You're finally irrelevant. You're finally being talked about. You're finally on the map that you thought you were on this whole time and worked. And so that's I think the biggest culture shift right away, forget about what they're paying them, forget about the assistance, forget about them making some adjustments to the, the 
transfer uh, uh, requirements and things like that. Forget about all of that because you you weren't. It didn't matter before, and it doesn't matter now. Now you have a guy in a in a uh, a world of difference when it comes to the clout of your program across the country. You're now a player in the in the recruitment of the top athletes. You're now a player in the recruitment of advertising money and things like that. Now you can do some stuff and, and things like Rick George saying, I don't know. We don't know where we got the money, but we'll get, we'll, we'll find it. Yeah. You're damn right. You will. It'll show up on your doorstep now. Oh yeah. And that is the difference in, in the culture shift that has occurred. So did, they did, should be happy no matter what happens, no matter who's the quarterback. You're finally on the map. Yeah. And in the case of Sanders, I mean, he's, he's the right guy at the right time because with the transfer portal, with name image likeness, he's the right coach for this because he embraces that. He's got a name that people know. And that's, that, that's half the battle here. And look, and I, I don't know, I don't know how good of an X's and O's guy Deion Sanders actually is. And we've talked about Joe Glenn, former Wyoming coach and Northern Colorado coach, how he was a, a masterful CEO of, you know, of things at Northern Colorado and Wyoming. And, and maybe Dion's that guy, but Dion is like supercharged Joe Glenn in terms of he's a pro football hall of famer. He's, he's, you know, the, the only guy to ever, you know, you know, what, uh, he would get a base hit in a world series game and then play in an NFL game like the same in the same you know week. I mean, there, there's, I mean, he's, he's stuff of legend and, and that's going to drop players in and it's going to draw you know, boosters in that maybe haven't donated to Colorado football in decades are now going to do that. Does he fit? Does he fit the bolder kind of, you know, liberal college, you know, image that's, you know, Colorado, I think always fancy themselves a little bit like a, a Rocky mountain Stanford only not being very good at football. And so, um, you know, and, and, and so they've, they've definitely give Rick George, I think a ton of credit for thinking outside the box here and going, we've got to go big or go home. And a Tom Herman isn't going to be that guy. Orion Walters is not going to be that guy that Deion Sanders for however long they have him. And who knows how long that'll be that he's going to reinvigorate what this program is about. And, you know, and I give him credit where other schools were reluctant because do you, do you want to take a, on a guy with the, with the you know the big personality of Deion Sanders, a lot of schools obviously said no, and Colorado was perfectly fine with with Coach Prime being you know being the, the now the face of the University of Colorado Buffalo's football program. So it's going to be interesting next year when you know CSU scores off against CU. That rivalry resumes. Coach Prime's first game gets to be against Nebraska and Matt Rule. So. It'll be a lot of fun, but their last, what, four or five games, it's a murderer's row. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. I, I, can they get to five or six wins? I think they can. I think the goal, though, year one, has just got to be more competitive and fun to watch because well, it was it was awful this season. It's pretty amazing to me, though, too. Like this, When you talk about them the way we're talking about them, everybody assumes that that's going to come with wins. That that's not necessarily true. This could blow up in their face completely. Good. I mean, it could totally be a, a, a major, major failure. But for the next couple years, there's no possible way they exit the limelight. It just isn't. No, Even and if it's a disaster, they will still stay in the limelight 
So, you know, I actually think that it's possible in college football now to do a 100% turnaround. He could win nine games next year. I think that's absolutely possible. I'm not saying that he's going to. But it wasn't possible before. It is now. It absolutely is. You saw USC basically do it this year. So uh, it's a very similar situation to that. Uh, The only difference is being that USC was at least competitive before right. uh, Lincoln Riley got there. But, yeah, they had good, but the program had good bones. Feel. Yeah, they had, they had, they had good yeah. bones. They had players that you know, certainly were good football players. And then Caleb Williams comes along, and obviously that, you know, that just makes them a whole lot better. Colorado doesn't necessarily have that, but you're right. We saw what with Nevada when Jay, Jay Norvell was there, and that's well, he kind of parlayed that into getting the CSU job was using the transfer portal and building up that Nevada program. And there's no reason that Deion Sanders can't do the same. You know, we saw Tremaine Jackson do that here in town with Colorado Mason, mm-hmm. where they, they were an 8-2 and two football team, and they were knocking on the door being a, a playoff football team. And the transfer portal played a big role in that. And so it that's why Sanders, to me, makes sense. Because in this day and age of NIL and, and the portal, he's... He's not, he's old school in how I think he coaches and his relationship building, but he's, he's new age when it comes to what, where college football is right now and how to interact with players, social media, those kind of things that they give him, I think a leg up, obviously his name. I mean, not too many guys out there called coach yeah. prime, prime time. Right. Um, you know, that, that, those, are, those are, those are huge, huge pluses for him. I don't, it's, it's going to be fun either way. And it's, it can't be, it can't really get worse. No, it, it can't. They, they're a one win football team. They've had two winning seasons in 17 years. It can't get worse. I know people say, well, yeah, it can. And eh, not really. No. Did you watch Colorado no. this year? No, not really. <laughs> no, it, it can't, it can't Irre- really get worse. The worst thing you can be is irrelevant. That's the worst yeah. you can be. And that is absolutely what they were this year. Irrelevant and boring. Yeah. And and Deion Sanders checks both those boxes in terms of, yes, relevant and not, and not boring. It'll be press conferences will always be entertaining with Coach Prime. Okay. I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm trying to do it. I'm doing a bad Jerry Jones <laughs> or something. I got a little bit of the cold going here, so it's it's kicking in. <laughs> so we, we go from – I just thought it was interesting. I talked about this the other day that a weekend where the Broncos get overshadowed by the Colorado Buffaloes, and the Buffaloes didn't even play. I mean, <laughs> but that's that's a case where Deion Sanders' story overshadowed another you know, performance-worthy offense. Nice job. Three field goals from the Gus the field goal-kicking mule, Brandon McManus. Yeah. Um, defense plays their butts off. You know How dare they give up that drive at the end, which, okay, yeah, I, I get it. It was Tyler Huntley. It was you know a, a 91-yard drive, but they – but they lost 10 to nine. If you score one touchdown there, Beetle, in any one of those field goal possessions, you win that football game. I, I just, I, now this is the new narrative of it's the, it's the defense letting them down. No, the offense sucks and the offense continues <laughs> to let them down every single week. <laughs> They've averaged 11 and a half points per game since I think London. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the defense's problem. Uh, you know, the defense was good again, and honestly, you didn't even have to score a touchdown. One more yeah. field goal, and this yeah. was over. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't. They, so, they, couldn't even they get, got stuck at midfield. So yeah, and 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 how dare Brandon McManus not hit a sixty-three yard field goal? How dare yeah. that guy yeah. not not hit that that chip shot? 
Oh, pretty comical. Like you know, you watch the game and and the 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 narrative has shifted a bit from you know, boy, this this is Russ's problem and Hackett's problem to boy, they just don't really have anybody out there anymore. And that's partially true. Like, I, I mean, if Greg Dolchich is your best player, and he was the other day, yeah. then you got you got a major problem. So <laughs> they have a major problem uh, when it comes to the injuries. And, and so you have to take some of that into account. But at some point, you know, they, they have to look like a capable offense. And even the flashes that they've shown here and there, they're so few and far between now that it's like nothing makes sense. Nothing they do makes sense anymore. And that's what's amazing to me. I think they got the midfield on what would have been a game winning drive. If they had gotten any points there in the fourth quarter, I think they got the midfield and on second down, like uh, chucked it, chucked it deep and then tried to, tried to throw a, uh, a sideline ball on third down. And then they were done. And that's like, you're already at midfield. How Like you've got to come up with, a way to get yourself into field goal range. And, and you ran a couple plays that had no chance of, of getting you a first down or getting you into field goal range. And this is like, I don't, I don't understand what they're even trying to do at this point, and let alone the players that are out there trying to do it. So uh, it's, 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 none of it makes sense. None of it looks right. None of it feels good from a, a future standpoint. Like something has to change either, either, Hackett has to go, even if it's not his fault, or they have to just show that they're going to clean house. And that might be what they need to do anyway. Like, you know, you look at the roster, there's not a whole lot left on that roster that makes you go, wow, we really got to keep that guy. Like, Devontae Williams is it, but he's been injured. And so so there's just nothing there that tells you, like, Cortland Sutton has been a no-show for the most part when he has been healthy. Judy has had the same injury problems that he's had for every year and the same drop problems every now and then. They've made some flashes and some flash plays, but nothing, nothing tells you, man, we got to keep that guy. Dolchich, well, that's yeah. about it. He's yeah, done a good job. But, but even then, like. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think one of the things we're, we're learning too is that Corlin Sutton's not their best receiver. Jerry Judy's not their best receiver. Tim Patrick's their best receiver. And they, they're missing him this year. And, and, and I, I think he is clearly their best wide receiver now. And they, they miss him terribly because this, I think, I think not that they would have went out and won every game or whatever, everything would be dramatically better. But if he had not got hurt in, you know, in, in training camp, I think, you know, we are seeing how much they miss him. It's going to be, I think, an entirely different offensive line. We had Cody work on from Mile High Sports Radio, and I strongly recommend you read his stuff because it's really, really good. He's, you know, he's out there and got his ear to the ground, I think, as good as anybody you know, that covers the Broncos. And he thinks you're, we're going to see an entirely different offensive line in 2023, and I think that's, that's a place where you have to start. And you know, can Russ has moments where you go, okay, we saw that against the Ravens, where, where Russ can still make plays with his legs. He still can be deadly throwing the deep ball. They've got to give him help, though. He's got to get help on the outside. And he's got to get an offensive line that can help him because he's not Russell Wilson of 10 years ago that can run around and make a ton of plays. He can still run around and make plays, make guys miss. But it's, like I said, I'm not, I'm not giving Russ a pass on this. Russ does deserve part of the blame of this, but he also needs some help. And and hopefully that help is coming, you know, down the road in, in 2023, because 
they're, they're wasting what's an, an incredible defense. And and now they're they're getting the blame because they can't go out and they can't go out and pitch a shutout every game, which is which is ridiculous. They 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 have to win every after win every game three nothing or get a safety and win two nothing. I mean, I it's it's just kind of ridiculous. But but hopefully we'll see with with Kansas City Denver's and as we do this they're they're a nine point dog. They've lost thirteen straight to Kansas City. I think it's going to be more of the same. Broncos will be they'll they'll be in it. Because their defense, and they'll end up, they'll end up losing by more. I think they'll end up by lose. They'll, they'll, they'll. I think Kansas City will cover. I think Kansas City will win by win by more than nine. But Denver's going to be in the game because their defense, and and once again, they're they're going to lose another game where if their offense is halfway competent, they, they probably walk away with the W. But we'll see what happens. All yeah, right, I feel like. I feel like Kansas City's going to boat race them. I don't know. I, I don't, don't feel. I feel like the thing it's gone so far south now after the last game that <clears> I feel like Kansas City's just going to walk in and score forty without blinking an eye. I, I, I wouldn't they, be surprised it happened at Arrowhead. The defense is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that. I think that could happen at Arrowhead. I, I don't think it'll happen Sunday. I think the the Denver defense will have. They'll they'll play with pride. They'll keep them in the football game. I think they end up losing by by more than ten points though. I. I do agree with you on that. I don't think they, yeah. they lose by a field goal or something like that, but I think they give them a shot, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right, Beetle, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Talk to you again soon. All right, take it easy. That's the Davis and Beetle podcast. This is the Davis and Beetle podcast.